Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast, the show where I sit down with former Amazon executives to discuss Amazon's unique principles and processes and tease out how you can apply them to grow and manage your business. I'm Tyler Wallace, a seven-year former Amazonian, current brand consultant, and your host as we learn to think like Amazon. Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Alon Katz to the show. Alon spent nearly seven years at Amazon, holding senior roles across both Amazon's e-commerce retail and omnichannel businesses. Notably, Alon was director of Prime Now during the program's launch and rapid growth from 2015 to 2018, and subsequently led the Prime Now delivery and in-store pickup business with Whole Foods Market until 2019. Alon left Amazon early in 2019 to lead portfolio operations for consumer sector investments at TPG Capital, where he continues to lead new thinking within the e-commerce and omnichannel space. Welcome to the show, Alon. Thanks, Tyler. I appreciate you having me. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself and your work at Amazon? Sure. So I'm originally from New York, and I was a casualty of the first dot-com bubble. So in the late 90s, I was working for a couple different technology companies and saw the highs and lows of online advertising in the early days, which kind of left me a little singed. And so I ended up leaving technology for a while, but consumer technology was always an area that I was passionate about. And after licking my wounds for a number of years, eventually decided to get back into it and, you know, was fortunate to have an opportunity at Amazon, came in in the core retail organization, as you mentioned, in in their electronics categories and didn't know what to expect. You know, moving to Seattle from Chicago at the time, it was kind of a big leap of faith and figured, hey, how bad could it be? I can do anything for two years and ended up spending seven years there. It was an amazing experience, learned so much and really, really appreciate the opportunities I had there. So that was really terrific and ended up, you know, building a family there too. We moved there. I had a daughter that had just turned two months. So it was a little tumultuous, but really had a special time in in Seattle over those seven years. We were talking a little bit before hitting record here. We overlapped a bit in some similar businesses at Amazon. So I'm really excited, Alon, to talk a little bit more about the dive deep leadership principle. At Amazon, leaders have to operate at all levels and stay connected to the details. And as we discussed briefly, you know, you progressed in your time at Amazon from first a functional leader leading a functional team within retail to a general manager over a large organization for some of these more nascent programs. During that transition, how did you stay connected to important details in your business? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I started to learn those skills, you know, well before I got to Amazon. Uh, after I completed my MBA, I became a consultant at Bain and Company for almost five years. And you know, when you work as a consultant, a lot of the work is you're jumping into a situation where you may not have the expertise, and you really need to dig through the data to figure out what's happening quickly. And I remember that when I first started there, it was easy for me to look at some data and do like an initial analysis. But I was really pushed there to learn how to continue to ask the question why to peel the onion much more deeply than the first level data would say and anticipate the questions that would be coming based on that in order to be effective. And so I think that that experience helped me when I got to Amazon because it really helped me to have 
a habit of not just taking the face value of the information or data that was being presented, but really trying to think through what is the implication of it and think through what's causing that number to be what it is and, and going deeper. And so that was kind of where I think I developed that at the beginning. And then I always found that for me personally, I like to anchor myself in key numbers to orient myself around the businesses that I work in. And so I think you know, for whatever reasons, maybe I'm odd that way, but there were certain metrics or numbers that I would just remember very clearly. And based on understanding those important numbers, when I got new information, it helped me to just sniff test things or calibrate whether they made sense in relation to those other numbers. And so I always, whenever I would, you know, move around Amazon, I'd really try and anchor myself in some of the key metrics about a given business or a function so that when I got new information I wasn't familiar with, I could just triangulate, does that seem like it makes sense based on what else I knew? And that's a habit that I've continued. But I think, you know, dive deep isn't just about numbers. I think a lot of people think that dive deep is just being data driven. And I think you've read the description, but really to me, it also meant understanding how everything works and the mechanisms that build into the overall business. And so I would seek to understand those things. I mean, when I worked functionally, even when I first started, for example, in marketing, there were merchandising placements that junior folks on the team would schedule. And I got pinged by someone on LinkedIn that said to me that, you know, they still remember working for me because they were shocked during holiday that I was willing to schedule some of those placements side by side with them. And the reason I did that was because I want to understand how it actually worked so that I could understand both the effort and, and the implications of it. But to me, it also... I felt it was important to show the team that there's nothing that any of us should feel is beneath us, which is, you know, part of that definition. And so at critical times, I always felt it was important, all hands on deck and everybody does whatever it takes to be successful. And so as a leader, that was principle that, that I applied and dive deep. And so I think that's just as important as being able to do the data analysis. I want to touch on a few things you shared. One that caught me a bit off guard and, and I think is very interesting is you would be side by side with some of your direct reports in looking at the data or working through, you know, scheduling a marketing campaign as you shared in your example. And I think that the approach was so key because done differently, that could have felt like micromanaging. And I'm sure many people can relate to their manager or their boss asking them for key points of data more to audit to make sure that they know what they're doing or to test that they know what they're doing. And you said a number of times in your example how you really wanted to benchmark and understand the data, understand what was going on. But then you also, beyond just the data, you wanted to understand what your team was going through and what their work looked like. And so your approach is clearly one of more empathy and understanding, okay, what does this look like from the perspective of those on my team versus I'm going to, you know, give my team a pop quiz and see if they're ready. And I think that that approach, you know, while the end result might have been similar, led to a very different sentiment as came up in the example you shared of somebody reaching back out on LinkedIn. So I just want to put a pin in that as I think a really good sign of, of leadership in staying connected to the details. And then I, I had a follow-up question. You mentioned that you would orient yourself around key metrics or key data points that, that you had on the business. And I can relate to some of that having been on the retail category teams myself at Amazon. You can benchmark against other geographies or other categories or subcategories, et cetera. I'm curious how you approach that or if your approach had to differ when you then went to Prime Now and some of these new programs that were very nascent and maybe you didn't have that history or close comparisons within Amazon? 
Yeah, and maybe just going back to the merchandising example, I think the other thing I would say that the reason that I felt is important to do those things is to advocate for your teams at Amazon. You really needed to understand the constraints. I mean, I'm sure you remember that it's a very frugal environment. And so resources are constantly being fought for. And so I found that if you couldn't explain in detail, you know, why your team was buried and couldn't complete what they needed to do, you weren't going to be able to get additional resources or get things prioritized. And so for me, I found that to be a super effective way to be able to advocate on the part of the team. And, you know, obviously also because I felt it's important that at times of need, everybody should do it. But you know, I think that's pretty unique to Amazon. A lot of places, it may not be as hard to fight for resources as it is at Amazon. But to your other question, I mean, it was super interesting because, the core retail business, you know, had been built over a number of years and the reporting and the metrics were super clear. And, you know, the whole concept of these are the input metrics that if we drive them over time result in the right outputs, like that wasn't ambiguous. But when I went to Prime Now, there were no metrics. I mean, we didn't know what assortment we should carry. We didn't know what the costs were going to be. We didn't know what were the right customer behaviors that indicated things were going to be successful. So, you know, it was like the opposite of what the core retail organization was at the time where we just needed to start experimenting and trying to observe. And literally over the course of a number of years, but even the first year, it was like just basic numbers and being able to report them was a success because we had nothing to begin from. And so we had to learn how to use our judgments based on other things that we had seen at Amazon and intuition and then put some measurements in place and try and figure out what are the right metrics to measure. And so obviously over many years and over time, we figured out what mattered and what didn't. And we were able to start to get weekly business reviews with metrics that were clear and could allow us to pinpoint issues with the business. But in the beginning, you kind of have to start with a hypothesis of what matters and then prove or disprove it and then learn and build upon it over time. And so that's what we did in the early years. And I think that's a great playbook for really anybody working on growing or scaling a business into uncharted territory and not having clear benchmarks. One thing, Alon, that Jeff Wilkie once shared was that Amazon requires leaders to process more detail than senior leaders at many other companies. I'm curious if you found that to be true in your own work. And if so, what practices did you find helpful for yourself in processing large amounts of detail and data? I think that is true. I mean, I'm not trying to speak negatively about other companies and what's expected, but if you think about the behaviors and patterns that Jeff Welke put in the business, you know, there was this dynamic every week where in the weekly business review, the category leaders would need to go into a room all together and there would be a deck that had call outs on it based on metrics that were outside of the norm, but you wouldn't know exactly who would be called on. And so it created a dynamic where a very senior leader would need to be prepared every week to speak to all of these very granular metrics about their business and you never know week to week whether you're going to be put on the spot and in front of all your peers and more senior folks have to speak in a real precise way about why that metric went the way it did. And so I have personally never experienced that type of detail-oriented business review in other places. 
the way that Amazon uses written documents. They tend to be far more precise than when you look at businesses that I've seen many businesses, including when I was a consultant, you know, using PowerPoint, where there's just a lot of room for ambiguity and it allows people to speak in a more generic way that doesn't always uncover the key issues. So I do think that the way that the business was managed and the expectations set just make everybody more sensitive to the data and be prepared to be able to answer those questions. So I think that that's kind of, I don't want to say you learned by fear, but you definitely didn't want to find yourself in a meeting at Amazon where there's a question about a specific metric or detail and you weren't able to answer the question regardless of what level you were in. And I think that's just in the DNA. Be thoughtful about what information is the most important information because obviously you can't memorize all metrics on everything all the time. So, you know, I tried to think about which metrics are really pertinent to the specific topic or the business. And if they move one way or another, they're going to make a huge difference. Those are the ones that I'd focus on most deeply. And then things that are either, you know, in the 20% and not needle movers, those are the ones where if I can't absorb everything, those are the ones I take the risk on. But you just need to take the time to kind of ingrain those in yourself. And then I think for me, the other thing is just watching patterns. And so I think that's the other thing that I think Amazon is based on and, and I do, which is you look at the numbers and you start to train yourself to see where the pattern breaks or there's an outlier is a good way to like start to audit and cue that something might be going wrong because you can notice things tend to follow certain patterns within bounds. And so those are the ways that I try to apply dive deep specifically when it comes to retaining details about businesses. I really like the use of the Pareto principle or the 80-20 rule, and then also looking for outliers or inconsistencies in patterns. Pattern recognition is helpful in business, but to your point, recognizing when something isn't following a pattern can also be helpful. I imagine, Alon, that with this focus on being prepared with all of the details, it could oftentimes incentivize a leader to really stay in the weeds, maybe more than what's necessary. And certainly, as we've all experienced at Amazon, there's a high need to be thinking big and making bold bets in uncharted territory. How did you find a balance between staying in the details, drilling down, peeling back the onion, and also making time to stay at that high level strategic view to think big about your business? Yeah, that was always a hard challenge, <laughs> to be honest with you, is you could get caught in the details like crazy and then forget to think about the aha and what's going on. And I think that there, I probably learned some lessons from Stephanie Landry, who I worked for, you know, for a number of years, that she would audit her businesses and she would empower her teams. And when she felt like the business or the function was operating properly, she would empower her teams greatly and give them a lot of rope to drive it forward and ease up on the time she spent on that specific piece. But as soon as she sensed that there was an area where something, a metric was going sideways or going in a counterintuitive manner, she would go so deep with that team in a very intensive amount of time to really wrestle it to the ground quickly and not let it fester in order to make sure things get going correctly. And I think by doing that, she was able to free up her time and not always be bogged down in details across every function, every business unit. And so I apply that lesson, which is you need to figure out where when things are going well in certain areas, you, of course, you still want to audit and calibrate. 
but you may not go as deep as you go in the areas that are of greatest concern at the moment. And that in turn will give you the time to rise up and do the strategic thinking that you need to do across the entire business or all the functions that you're monitoring. And so modulating that and knowing how much time you need to spend in a given area at a given time, I think is a a key discipline there. And it doesn't stay the same from week to week or month to month. Like one functional area could be doing great this month and then, you know, something happens to the business and suddenly you have to dig in there the next month. But just kind of applying that and then making sure that you create the time to do the strategic thinking as well. I like that your answer wasn't just, oh, I, you know, once a week I go deep and the rest of the time I'm up high, but you actually use signals in your business and you acquired this discipline for knowing when to dive deep. And it sounds like Stephanie and others were good role models to exemplify how to do that or when to do that based on the signals in the business. So we've talked a little bit about data here. You know, part of the dive deep principle states that leaders are skeptical when metrics and anecdote differ. Uh, Can you share an example of a time at Amazon where you used anecdotes to uncover an insight that maybe didn't come across or show in the metrics or data? So this goes back to what we talked about in the days of Prime Now, where the metrics didn't exist early on, or, or I would say the sophistication of the metrics were not as deep as in other parts. I started to get pings from customers about being very upset, specific to Whole Foods deliveries, that they were missing items. And as the leader of that initiative, that was pretty disconcerting. You know, I don't know if you've, I haven't heard all your podcasts. I don't know if the whole concept of the Jeff B question mark email has come up in one of your prior episodes, but, you know, defects where customers are getting pretty angry and emailing Jeff Bezos can trigger a question from Jeff that comes down to the team. And so I also learned that you want to pay attention to the voice of the customer You don't want to wait for a customer to email Jeff Bezos about that and then have that be the reason that you find out. So uh, I remember I set up some voice of the customer sessions where we listened to some customer service calls of really upset customers with the, you know, the whole cross-functional team and people heard the emotion and like, you know, nobody wants a, a late delivery, but when you were expecting that to be your dinner doesn't show up, that's pretty upsetting. And I had a person that reached out to me on LinkedIn. I don't know how they found me, but basically said to me, that he lived in Brooklyn, single parent, and he ordered a Whole Foods delivery that included lunch for his kids the next day, and the delivery didn't arrive. And so he couldn't make lunch for his kids. And by the time he found out, it was too late to do anything about it. Devastating to me. And so that led me to start to dig much more deeply into what were the defects that were causing those experiences. And, you know, in general, most customers were having positive experiences. But to me, I felt like the severity of those failures was really worrisome. And so it took us a while and we spent a couple of months where we we actually slow down our expansion of the Whole Foods delivery to really get a grasp on what was going on, which we weren't able to see in the data at the time. And the team worked very hard. Many teams worked very hard to figure out why it was happening, what was happening, and then put measurement in, in order to be able to see what was happening moving forward. And I think, I don't know if it was an Amazon statement or, you know, I heard it, I think it might've been attributed to Jeff Wilkie sometimes, but people say what gets measured gets acted upon. And so, you know, that's what we did in that case, which is we just started measuring how many customers were missing items and, you know, without getting into the details of like all the drivers of it, but we we actually found out there were a number of drivers and we started measuring them all very granularly. 
And once we did that, we made amazing progress in fixing that, like in a very short amount of time. So it was both an extremely proud moment for me personally that we were able to figure it out and solve it in the midst of this crazy expansion. But it all started because a customer pinged me on LinkedIn and sent me that story and, you know, me saying there's there's something more happening here that we need to dig into. I love that example, Alon. And I like that not only did it give you additional data, right? Like that was a data point that you weren't seeing in the metrics, but it also gives a sense of the magnitude or importance of that data point. I mean, if you had seen that same data point of a, a late delivery or a missed delivery out of the probably hundreds of or thousands of deliveries that were going on, that might have seemed insignificant. But the reality was that this was very impactful for this customer you very well could have had an angry customer, lost a customer permanently. And so I see these anecdotes as really being key to Amazon's customer obsession leadership principle and really biasing on protecting that customer experience, protecting that customer trust in ways that maybe just seeing small data points or blips in the data just doesn't have that same weight. Yeah, I mean, that customer took the time to reach out to me. Obviously, there's going to be people that aren't going to take the time to do that. So that that's why I think those anecdotes are critical. If if somebody gives you a story, it's highly unlikely they're the only person that's had, you know, that has that experience. And especially at a company like Amazon where the business is massive, law of large numbers is going to take hold. Yeah. Yeah. The last line of the Dive Deep principle says, no task is beneath a leader. What does that mean to you? Well, I think we talked a little bit about it before, but to me, one of the best parts of working at Amazon was I really found it to be a meritocracy. It didn't matter what level you were in the room. Everybody had an equal voice. And if you had a point of view that was supported by data or facts that indicated that something was contrary to the way that the meeting was going or the decision was going, you were expected to bring it up. And so to me, you know, that also sets the tone that we are all teamed together there and everybody's voice is equally important and everybody's effort is equally important. And so there should never be something that needs to get done for the business that a leader shouldn't be willing to do in order to make sure the business is successful. And, you know, I, I honestly took that to heart. And there were, there were many times I probably did things that people think were crazy for me to be doing given the level that I was, but I just felt like, you know, when you're building a business, you have to do what it takes to make it successful. And I think if you look at entrepreneurs, there's nothing beneath them to make their baby grow into a successful business. And I think that's the philosophy that people at Amazon largely have and take, including the leaders, is that whatever it takes, we have to get it done. And so that's what it means to me. If you feel like your time is too valuable to do something related to the business you're running, I think that's when you start to get disconnected from the business and you start having a harder time making the right decisions and understanding why or, or why not the business can scale or be successful. I really like that a lot. And it reminds me of the tradition that Jeff Wilkie and other members of the S team had to every holiday season go to Amazon fulfillment centers and work alongside the fulfillment associates to help them out, get through that busy season that's usually understaffed, and also just to work alongside those core Amazon employees during that time. You mentioned on your teams, I also had experience on my teams where we would go to call centers and listen in to customer service calls. And so I like your answer because it, it brings back all these memories of ways that Amazon would encourage leaders at all levels to interact with the frontline customers, with the frontline associates, and really not just understand what their business is, but help out because they can always use more help. 
What advice would you share with managers or leaders looking to improve their ability to audit their business? Yeah, well, I think it's a number of the things that we've talked about. So the first thing is, I think you really need to understand your business and understand what people working for you are doing day to day. Because if you don't understand how all those pieces fit together, it's very hard to diagnose whether there's an issue somewhere or how to guide a team to make the right decision. So I strongly encourage people to take the time. I mean, I blocked out a half a day and I sat down with a in-stock manager how are you forecasting demand in the early days? Because I, if I couldn't understand that, I couldn't help them to figure out how to scale that program when we, when we were expanding rapidly. And so I literally cleared my calendar and we sat down together. And obviously, you point out, you don't want to make it feel like some sort of like a teacher looking over your shoulder or something like that. Like the point was really that you let folks know that you're there to help them and advocate for them. And to do that effectively, you need to understand their struggles or what they need to go through every day. And then I think, as I said, I think you need to take the time and and really step back from all the noise and all the information and think deeply about what information related to the business that you're currently on is going to be the metric or the variable that has the disproportionate impact on the overall outcome. And those are the areas that you need to really drive a commanding understanding of. And then, and to me, the exercise there is like, if this metric doubles, what happens to the business? And if the answer is not a whole lot, then that's probably not a place that you need to really worry about. Like, if, you know, for example, if you're looking at a cost in the P&L, but if, if the number doubles and suddenly your business is no longer viable, then, you know, you need to pay a lot of attention to what drives that metric or variable and decompose it into its parts and make sure that you don't allow that number to double. Um, and so I think those are some of the principles that I would suggest can help you if you're trying to figure out how to audit your business. I really love that last piece of advice there, Alon. And I'm thinking back to my time at Amazon, where we'd sit in these weekly business review meetings, and we would have metric decks that had literally dozens, if not hundreds of different metrics in them. I see it being very easy for somebody in Amazon, certainly you run into this outside of Amazon as well, to have so many metrics in front of you that it's hard to know where to focus and where to prioritize. So I really like that really simple way to think about it in terms of thinking to the extreme, thinking, you know, what if this doubled or got cut in half? How impactful or how material would that be? And then depending on the answer, prioritizing where to really go deep and understand and have a grasp of the metric or the business. We're coming short on time here, Alon, and it's been really fun to, to dive into this dive deep principle with you. A lot of good insights. You've now spent the last couple of years outside of Amazon. So as a few parting words, what applications of the dive deep principle have you found to be most helpful and relevant outside of Amazon? Yeah, well, I think a couple of things. In my current role, I would say, obviously, really being able to dig into data as I work for a private equity firm, we consider the attractiveness of a potential business to invest in, really looking at the metrics and, and trying to understand them deeply and the story they're telling you about the business. So I think getting into that pattern and even what we just discussed is like, what are the metrics that matter to a given business and how do you make sure that you understand why they are moving the way they are? That's very transferable. And I think on the other hand, not having any piece of work be beneath what I'm willing to do as a leader is another critical one. In, in my current role, I, I actually work with a number of different companies all the time across our portfolio. 
and I'm there to help. And so whatever help I can provide them is what's valuable. And so I always try to think whatever I can do to make their day jobs easier is my objective. And then I'd say the last thing is because I'm always jumping from very diverse, different businesses, anchoring myself in some key metrics for each one of them to help myself get quickly oriented has been very helpful and then helps me to figure out what questions I should be asking or what I should be thinking about, given the pace of change of the perspective that I'm in, depending on which business I'm speaking with. That sounds like a great tool set and one that can be applied to many different businesses and many different sectors. Alon, thanks again for coming on the show. This has been super insightful. I've learned a lot, and so I'm sure our listeners will as well. Where can listeners go to follow you? I would say if you're looking for any sort of commentary or observations from a business standpoint, I'm likely to do it mostly on LinkedIn. I I tend to keep the social media to the personal stuff. Sounds good. Well, thanks again, Alon, for coming on. I really appreciate this. It's been a lot of fun and hope you have a good rest of your evening. Thanks, Tyler. I really appreciate you having me. 